to be together as always. Uh, very sound very exciting. Sheila's um, Sheila's uh, wedding shower, what you might call it. I've never been to one of those, but uh, I heard I know Becky went, and uh, she said it was a uh, pretty pretty epic. Uh, so congratulations! <coughs> I get the privilege of talking to Alex um, Alex Heath each each week, and that's a real privilege. Uh, for me, and it's a privilege to be here to to preach in the well, normally the sunny the sunny region of of Bournemouth. Uh, you know, looking outside today, it's uh, it's a bit a bit grey, you might say. And uh, but uh, but you know, God will still give us a chance to. Uh, oh, it is sunny. Roger says it's sunny in the chat box in Bournemouth. Well, there you go. I'm not in Bournemouth, but but uh, anyway, um, let's pray before we go on, and we're going to look forward to a wonderful time of hearing about well, just how amazing God's God's word is. Uh, Lord God, thank you so much for your word. Uh, thank you that you give us such an amazing, uh, just uh, an amazing map of our lives to follow, Father. Thank you so much for that. Uh, thank you so much for um, us being able to be Christians, Father, and an opportunity to be uh, friends with you, God, and uh, just opportunity to be, to be close with you, Father. Uh, I really pray that, you know, you help me to speak your your words, Father, and not mine. And I pray that as we as we uh, as we go ahead, all our hearts, including mine, are touched by your word. We love you, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Um, <clears throat> so I wanted to start with a question today. Uh, my sermon today, the title is "Struck by Scripture." Now, <clears throat> I'm not talking about being struck physically, as though your Bible would just get up and punch you in the face. That, that's not what I'm saying. Um, but uh, I wanted to I wanted everybody to get an opportunity to share a little bit from their lives about a time when something has caught your attention. Now, it doesn't have to be something in the Bible. It doesn't have to be something that happened this week. It can be. It doesn't have to be the biggest thing that ever happened in your life. But I'm just wondering if if if, if you can think of it. I just want to give you a moment to think about a time in your life when you were struck by something. Or when something caught your attention in your life and uh, you know I'll give you a minute to think if you want to write it in the chat box do that memory if you want to share it just pop your hand up and I'll unmute uh, or Roger will unmute you and um, it'll be quite a good an opportunity I think for people to share about times when they've been struck by a particular moment in their lives um, we're going to talk about being struck by scripture have a think have a think we've got a couple coming through <clears throat> keith says when he when he saw his first theater show 50 years ago he thought wow and decided to spend his life working in theater oh very good okay with a voice i'm always struck by keith's voice and how good it is um so simeon says oh this is this is the correct answer simeon simeon says struck by our day's love around the year 1994 well simeon and our day lovebirds in 1994 lovebirds in 2020 roger packham says oh he got struck physically when he got oh roger packham's been run over when when cycling i imagine you got um 
you got okay so you got struck in both a physical and in a uh, in a in, in a metaphorical sense okay fine um the Agbonkimas, lydia says great hospitality and, and a welcoming attitude from strangers right so you were struck by someone's attitude and how kind and welcoming they that they people someone was lovely um okay and we've got uh, from Mervs and Shami, love at first sight. Oh, and it was one-sided for a long time. I don't actually know who, which one of the two that comes from. I imagine I don't know who that. It must be, must be, uh, must be Mervs. I don't, I don't imagine many people wanting to be with Mervs, but you know, um, the Agbon Kimas. Arde says when I was studying the Bible in Lagos. Okay, yep. So there you go. Struck by scripture there. Roger Packham says invited to, to dinner by Christians who had only just met me. So that was when Roger was a young Christian. Okay, fine. Okay. Okay, very, very good. Excellent. Lovely. Have we got any more coming here? Times you were struck by a situation in your life. Doesn't have to be in the Bible necessarily, just a time when you were, you felt you, something got your attention. <clears throat> ah, so when, so first time, so Robin Raleen, so uh, I imagine, so first time I went to our church in Cape Town. Wow. Yes, first time you went to church. Amazing. And oh, here we go. This is, this is one, this is one for the, one for the host. Uh, Abiola says, struck by the selflessness and hospitality of the Packhams. Yes, they are very hospi hospitable, absolutely. Uh, here we go. And we've got Mervs and Shami again, struck by how warm the Bournemouth and Paul disciples were when we, when we first moved here. Oh, amazing. And Roger says, all the Christians who helped make our wedding amazing. Amen. Lots of love there in the comments. Thank you. Thank you. Fantastic. Well, the title of my sermon today is Struck by Scripture. Now, it's one thing to be struck by, um, oh, Sheila also says, struck by the sisters pulling, putting uh, the, the bridal shower together and how deep and encouraging it was to see my friends come together with my, to see my family come together with my friends. No words under the sun can express the love and joy. Wow. Said in a, I'm struck by how you said that. That was, that's very striking. Very good. Okay. Um, you know, it's one thing to be struck by something uh, physical on this earth. And it's another thing entirely to be struck by something spiritual. Uh, I'm just going to share my screen. I've got a little PowerPoint just that I want to share today. And I hope everybody can see that. Um, here we go. There we go. Right. So the, the title of my message is Struck by Scripture. And uh, so I was a little story from me. I was struck last week. Um, I was reading my Bible. I was... Um, as you do, uh, you know, it's wonderful. You know, if you've been a Christian for a while, you'll you'll know how wonderful it is to start your day uh, each day by reading the Bible. And I was um, I was reading through Psalm 119. I know I preached on this a couple of weeks ago, but I was reading Psalm 119 and Psalm 119 is so long that it can take ages to actually read it. So I've got Psalm 119 here. I don't know if any, anybody actually remembers how long, how many verses is in a Psalm 119. But um, Psalm 119 starts here and it goes on to another, another double spread. And it goes on to another double spread. And then it goes on again to another double spread. And it just keeps going to another double spread. There's Psalm 100, uh, 120. So it finishes there. There are 176 verses in Psalm 119. And as I was reading through Psalm 119, I stopped when I got to Psalm 119 verse 96, because to me, it was it was a verse 
that really um, captured something in my heart. And I wanted to share uh, about that today. Psalm 119 verse 96 reads, To all perfection I see a limit, but your commands are boundless. To all perfection I see a limit, but your commands are boundless. Now, we all have different things that we're struck by as people. We all have different sort of qualities. We all, there's lots of different personality types. There are lots of different uh, personality qualities that we all exhibit in different ways. Now, I think one of the reasons this struck me, and you may share this quality, you may not. I think we all probably share it in a sense. Um, I'm a very idealistic person. Um, I'm in a sense, there's a there's a great quality in that, in that it allows me to be very full of dreams for big things. Uh, there's also weaknesses in it, in that I'm a perfectionist and that it can be hard for me to feel like I've uh, I've done all I could do in every situation. And that can be hard to sort of feel a reward um, in, 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 in many times when I when I should feel a reward. And I don't know if you maybe you feel some similarity to that. Maybe you don't. I'm not sure. But um, this, this, this verse struck me, I think, because of this idea of perfection. And I think all of us as people, at some, de at some degree in our consciousness, we're looking for perfection. You know, the Bible says elsewhere, God has set eternity in the hearts of men. And um, that's very much why all of us have a need for God. We, we all see the need that we need to strive for something bigger than what we can see on earth. Um, let's dig into this psalm. Now, my first point is imperfect perfection. Now, when you read Psalm 119, verse 96, the first line of the psalm almost seems a little bit like a paradox because you've got this idea of perfection. Perfection's introduced by the psalmist, and then there's a limit that's put on perfection. Now, to me, when I read that, I think one of the reasons I'm most, most struck by this psalm is because if you have perfection, it's perfect. Perfection shouldn't be limited. Now, the Hebrew word for limit is end. There shouldn't be an end to perfection because if something's perfect, it can't be added to. It can't get any better. And if something's limited, there's this idea that it should be able to get better but it can't. So that made, that really got me thinking, now, why, why does the psalmist describe perfection as being limited in this way? And it got me thinking about some things that seem perfect on the surface in our lives and maybe in our world that we see. But when we look a little bit deeper, are not actually perfect. Now, this is a very famous or this was a very famous couple, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. Now, they got married in sometime in the 2000s, the, uh, the, the, the noughties, the, uh, the, the, the decade of the noughties. And I remember when they got married, this really struck me. Again, it struck me. It, it caught my attention because it seemed to me like a perfect match. You've got this incredibly successful man in Brad Pitt, incredibly famous actor. He's been in some of the biggest films of all time. Uh, incredibly wealthy man. Um you know, he was in the film Seven. He was in the film um, Fight Club, some huge films, still a big actor now. He was in Once a Time in, in, uh, in Hollywood this year. And he married this other film star called Angelina Jolie, who was 
in Tomb Raider, an, an amazingly beautiful woman. And it really seemed to be an absolutely uh, a perfect match. And I remember they got married. But then as, as the years went on, there started to be ripplings and there started to be there started to be sort of uh, radio. You could hear radio mutterings of problems in the relationship. And this seemingly perfect relationship actually ended. The two of them got divorced. And it was a real example to me of how you might have it all on the surface and things might be perfect on the surface, but inside things might not be perfect. There was a per this was a perfect relationship, but just like Psalm 119 verse 96 said, it had an end and it had a limit and it wasn't quite as perfect as it seemed. Diego Maradona this week. I don't know if I don't think there's any Argentinians on this um, on this call today. But if you are Argentinian, my my condolences. A national hero died this week. Uh, Diego Maradona was named one of the there were two there were two prizes for the greatest footballer of the 20th century. One went to Pelé and one went to Diego Maradona, the perfect footballer, you might say. And, um, you know, in many ways, he achieved so many things. He won the World Cup in 1986 with Argentina, um, an absolute national hero. And uh, in many ways, the perfect footballer. But over time, again, in his life, we started to see elements of imperfection coming through in his in his life. You know, issues with drugs, issues with, um, you know, the law and doing illegal things that perfection was limited and again we saw the end of that perfection just this week Diego Maradona died at the age of 60 a premature death he died of a heart attack again we see perfection but we see a limited kind of perfection in our world maybe it's your maybe uh maybe you see perfection in uh you maybe you seek perfection in your life today, all of us do in some way, and maybe you seek it in this idea of a dream job. I think for a lot of people at my age in the millennial era, uh, we seek perfection in, uh, we spend so much time in our jobs that we want our jobs to mean everything to our to our, 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 our purpose in life. And we want our, our, um, our job to really satisfy us and we almost put our job on a pedestal. It's easy to put our jobs on a pedestal. We spend so much time in our in our jobs across. You know, if you think about how many hours you've got in a day, you spend eight hours at your job. That's a third of your day. And um, obviously you're asleep for another another eight hours or, you know, something like that. And so, you know, your job has a big role to play. And so often people put their dream job on a pedestal. You see all these adverts, you know, for job job search websites like Indeed who talk about loving mon Monday mornings because you think, yes, I'm off to my dream job. And this idea of having your job on a pedestal. But even with a great job, it's never the perfect job. The perfect, the, the so-called perfect job, like we see in Psalm 119 verse 96, is limited. The perfect job is never truly perfect. There's always problems with the job. And you see people who try and put all they can into their job, but it never ends up fulfilling as they would truly want it to. 
You know, I wonder what in your life you put on a pedestal. Maybe it's the perfect relationship, the perfect family, the perfect grades. The Bible says to all perfection, I see a limit. There's no such thing as the perfect family. There's no such thing even as the perfect church congregation. There's no such thing as the perfect grades. There's no such, there's no such thing as the perfect job. But, the, you know, the world tells us to put these things on a pedestal. And so much as people in our hearts, we want to put these things on a pedestal. And I think in so many ways, we as people have to realize that nothing wisdom comes when, when we when we when we realize that nothing physically is actually truly perfect. And when we search for perfection on this earth, we'll only be disappointed. Perfection on this work on this on this earth is imperfect. We've got this idea of imperfect perfection. And the psalmist talks about this, but he talks about this as the start of a of a psalm. Psalms so often come in two little two little sections. You have the first line and the second line. And they're often connected with a conjunction, the word but. And that's what we're going to look at now. Point number two, the secret of liberation. You know, liberation is a wonderful word. We think of people being set free from many, many things in their lives. When when many people come to Jesus, they're set free from their sin. Anybody who comes to Jesus is set free from their sin. We think of stories and, and accounts of people being set free from, from slavery, being uh, set free from um, their, 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 their past, perhaps, set free from uh, you know, many things in their lives. Maybe as a dentist, I get the chance to set people free from toothache when I get to help them in their, in their situations. I had a lady this week who was, um, as many of you know, I, I work as a, as a dentist and I had a, a lady this week who uh, had been in pain last week and I'd given her some, I don't, I, I actually, she'd had a filling done a few months ago. And sometimes when you do fillings, the nerve of the tooth doesn't settle. And this lady's nerve of her tooth wasn't settling. It was keeping her awake at night. And I gave her some antibiotics and still that didn't that didn't um, that didn't provide liberation from her pain. And she came in this week and we had to do an emergency uh, root canal. And finally, it seems like she's actually going to be liberated from her pain. Liberation is a wonderful thing. We're going to talk here about the liberate the, the secret of liberation. And that's exactly what the second line of Psalm 119 talks about. Psalm 119, verse 96. To all perfection, I see a limit, but your commands are boundless. Your commands are boundless. I wonder what you think of when you think of the word boundless. Other words for boundless are free, limitless and unbound. Very much liberation. That's what it means to be boundless, to not be bounded by something. When we're bound by chains or bound by ropes, we, we, we're not free. We can't escape. We can't um, we can't really move forward. We, we, we're stuck in one place. But when we're boundless, we're free from all of that. And I think as people, again, we think back to this idea of what do we truly want as people? I think we want to be boundless deep down in our hearts. We are bound by so much, so many physical constructs. You know, at the moment we're bound by the 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 the, the, lockdown, the lockdown. We want to be free. We want to be free from the lockdown and just be able to go and do what we want as we could back in February twenty, you know, February twenty twenty. Um, but we're 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 bound. And this and there's this idea again. The psalmist talks about something brings a, a feeling of boundlessness. Now the meaning. I'll come on to the, that, that next part in a moment. The meaning of boundless in the Greek 
uh, sorry, in the original Hebrew is uh, exceedingly broad. If something's unbounded, the Bible, the, the, another word in the Hebrew is it's exceedingly broad. Now, if something is exceedingly something, it's so whatever it is, it's so the Bible says it's uh, the God's commands are so broad that they're actually exceedingly, exceedingly broad, where it's not just they're quite broad, not even very broad, but exceedingly broad, broad to the max, broad to where you can't get any more broad. And that's what God talks about with his commands here. The psalmist is talking about God's commands and he's saying they are exceedingly broad and they are boundless. And it's interesting. I wonder how many times we think of God's commands as bringing us freedom. So often, I think the average person, I think me, me included, first thing that so often many of us, many of us think of when we think about God's commands are they hold us down. They're a straitjacket. They stop us doing what we want to do. But the Bible says God's commands are boundless. God's commands are exceedingly broad. God's commands bring liberation. God's commands bring freedom. I want to share a couple of verses to me that, that bring this home to an even greater, uh, even greater degree. This idea that of why God's commands in the Bible are not straight. It's not a straitjacket, but it's actually something that brings freedom. Again, it seems like a paradox, though, doesn't it? This idea of, you know, obeying something wholeheartedly, obeying the Bible. That, sh that's, that sounds like a... Um, that sounds like something which brings, um, you know, a feeling of, oh, I can't do what I want to do. I'm not free. But in the Bible, it's all different. God's commands are for our own good. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to, um, to him, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving you today for what? For your own good. How amazing is that? God's commands are given to us for our own good. So many times we think about, oh my goodness, I can't fit in with my friends. I can't get drunk. I'm not allowed to get drunk. I have to wait until I'm married until I can have sex. Premarital sex isn't an option. That's not fair. God, why are you putting me in this straitjacket? That's how we can think as people. We can think these, these commands, these commands from God, they're, they're a limit on us. But actually, when we look at the reason for why God gives us his, his commands, he says he gives us his commands and his degrees for our own good. It's different. It's different to a straitjacket. It's for our own good. And when we look and when we think about that, we think about actually how that changes our perspectives on obeying God. First John five, verse three. In fact, this is love for God. Love's the key. Remember, love in love makes the world go round. In fact, this is love for God. This is love for God to keep his commands. It's love for God to keep his commands. That is love. That is the real, real meaning of love. And his commands are not burdensome now it's one thing to follow something when you know it's not really uh it's not really going to do it, it, it's hard to follow what someone tells you to do when you don't really believe it's actually going to make a difference for the um for the positive in your life and it's hard to sort of 
you know, I think for a lot of us at the moment with the lockdown, it can feel hard to want to follow the lockdown because it can feel like we're here. We're struggling with our, you know, our mental health and we're struggling with, you know, social health. We're not interacting with people properly. We can only interact with people over, over, uh, over Zoom or, you know, on the phone. But in the Bible, God says his commands are not burdensome and they're not burdensome because they're for our own good. When we look at the Bible, we get an assurance from God that his commands are for our good. And that takes the burden of following them, of following them away. God's commands are for our good and they are not burdensome. And the amazing thing, this paradox we come back to, the secret of a liberated and unbound life is to obey God's commands. That's the truth. That is the truth of life. You know, one of the wisest people of all time, his name was uh, his name was Solomon. And he wrote a book in the Bible called Ecclesiastes. And he finished off his, his, his last chapter, his last sentence in the book of Ecclesiastes says the whole duty of man is to obey God. He he looked through what it meant to be wise. He looked through what it meant to be uh, to have to enjoy life, what it meant to uh, experience a fullness of, of life. And he came to the conclusion that, follow, that that following God's commands was the meaning of life. The secret of a liberated and unbound life is to obey God's commands. Now, I think the challenge has to be, do you believe that? Do I believe that? Now, when I look back on my life, I can see how that's been true. I can see how times when I've obeyed God's commands in my life how those times have brought me freedom one of the things i find hardest to do in life is to tell the truth i think for many of us we find um being honest about embarrassing things to be most difficult and there have been times when i've done things wrong in my life that i'm ashamed of and i can think i don't want to talk about this i don't want anybody to know the bad side of ben the ungodly side of ben the side of ben which is not it's not kind. The side of Ben, which is selfish, the side, the side of Ben, which does things in secret that are not good. And part of being part of one of God's commands is to do is, is confession and honesty and being and being open about our lives. And the amazing thing is, is that when we do things wrong and we don't talk about we don't talk about those things we've done, guilt builds up in us. But when we talk about our lives, and when we're open and when we're honest and when we share with someone what we've done, obviously, we look to share in, an, in, a, in a place where there's no judgment because God talks about how we must be careful when we judge one another. We mustn't judge one another uh, in an un, unkind way. If you share if you share your, your, your sins and you share your weaknesses in a, in a safe place, in a place where with another another Christian who um, doesn't judge you in an unfair way, in, un, in an unkind way, that'd be more accurate. Um you can find freedom from your guilt. And that's what I've found in my life. There've been times when I've done things wrong and, you know, um, times when I've been ashamed and I've shared things with, with somebody and, you know, sometimes, and, and in a sense, the problem, the problem shared was a problem halved. When we share our problems, when we share about our lives, when we confess our sins, when we're honest about things in our lives, things change, things change that guilt is released. 
The secret of a liberated and unbound life is to obey God's commands. I've experienced that in my life when it comes to being honest about my weaknesses and my sins. What is it for you? Challenge for this week. How will you make the most of God's commands this week? Interesting idea, making the, mo making the most of God's commands. It's easy to live a Christian life or a supposedly Christian life where you're trying to really live your own life and sort of not disobey too many of God's commands as possible. That's not actually what the Christian life is about. The Christian life is about making the most of what God gives us. The Christian life is about seeing that God wants the best for us, believing that and then living that out as much as we can. You know, it's that idea of we're all lost without without God, that idea that we're all lost in the North Sea and we're all lost and we're at sea and we're going to we're going to drown without without a life belt. We're going to drown without a lifeguard. We're going to we're going to drown without a rope. And someone comes in a uh, in a helicopter and God comes in a helicopter and throws us a rope, which are his commands. God throws us a rope of, of, of salvation to cling on to, to hold on to and. And that rope eventually, which will bring us out of the out of the, the waves of our lives and to, to dry land. That's what God gives for us. God gives us, us God or God gives us his commands as a rope to cling on to. How will you make the most of God's commands this week? I don't know what it would be for you. Maybe you haven't been maybe you're a Christian. You haven't been reading your Bible as much as you know. You kind of probably probably could. Or maybe, you know, maybe you feel like, oh, I haven't been you know making the most of God's word. How can you make the most of God's commands this week? Maybe you're not a Christian. You're just reading. You're just hearing all this for the first time. and You're hearing about God's commands. How can you dig in to God's commands this week? Can you have a Bible study with someone? I'm sure whoever invited you along today would love to have a Bible study with you and show you more about how amazing God's commands are. What will it be for you this week? How will you make the most of God's commands this week. God's commands are blessings that bring libera liberation rather than, rather than things that cage us. The world tells us that, that, that God tries to cage us with his commands. We actually know that God actually wants to, to set us free. I'm just going to take communion now. Think about perfection. Coming back to this idea of perfection and um, an, a scripture that's uh, a wonderful, wonderful here another very striking scripture is um this scripture about jesus and it says for christ is the end of the law with the result that there is righteousness for everyone who believes there was only ever one perfect man one man who could say he'd never stolen never thought an evil uh, an evil desire for someone else only one man who could say he'd never been unkind to his 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 neighbor only one man who could say that he'd never been um, selfish in his in his whole life. That man was Jesus. He was the only man who was perfect. The only man who could truly claim to be perfect. And he was in, 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 in Romans 10 verse 4, the end of the law. All of us as people, all humans on this earth are judged by a law, the moral law of right and wrong. And it's that law that you know, we, we, it's that law that's in our conscience that says to us, Ben, I know you didn't do what was right there. And all of us have that. And whether we try and squash it down and try and pretend it's not there or, or, or not, it is still there. But the amazing thing about Jesus is Jesus is the end 
of the law. Not to say we shouldn't still try and do what's right. That's not what this verse means, but it's the end of judgment. Jesus is the end of judgment. Jesus came down on earth as the God man. He came down as fully God and fully human. He lived a perfect life 2000 years ago and um, he died on a cross for all of mankind. He died on a cross so that everybody's sins, all the times we've all flouted the law, all the times the law condemns us. Jesus died so that that law would be taken away, that that judgment wouldn't happen. And that if we believe in Jesus, the judgment that we all deserve will be taken away and would all be annulled. We'd all get that free that ticket of a, of a place in heaven and that 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 you know that free pass of go that free uh, that get out of jail free ticket because of what jesus did for us for christ is the end of the law with the result that there is righteousness for everyone who believes only jesus is perfect none of us are jesus is how can you make the most of uh, being in communion uh, with jesus having a friendship with jesus today Let's pray. Lord God, um, thank you for Jesus. Thank you just that you forgive each of us, Father. And thank you that you give us amazing lives, Father, where we, 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 can, uh, we can look at Jesus as the standard for our lives, Father, and the only man who did what was right, Father. Thank you for him and his example. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for Jesus' uh, words. Um, thank you for your words in your, in your Bible, Father, and as such an example of how we should live Father, thank you for thank you for that, Father. Thank you for Jesus dying on the cross. Thank you that He took all our sins, and we don't need to live a fearful life. God, we don't need to. I mean, we don't need to live a life full of fear. We can live a life full of joy and um, expectation of something something wonderful that's going to happen in our lives, Father. And thank you that that you take that away, take away all the uh, all the all the all the fear, God. Thank you. Thank you that we can now take uh, emblems of Jesus' his uh, his body and his blood, Father. We can take the bread and the wine, and I pray it brings us closer to you. We love you in Jesus name.